0: The following Dharma Talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series.
1: Again, my name is Kyoko Katayama. Um, I've been a Common Ground member since 1999. I I was, I'm saying for the first time in full past tense, a psychotherapist for 35-some years recently retired. Um, I um, I teach uh, a class called Befriending Death, Meeting Impermanence with Courage, Love, and Equanimity here at Common Ground uh, in the spring and fall. So, and I'm here partly because Mark is away. Um, so to begin with, I wish to acknowledge with, with kindness and sorrow that we are on the land taken from the Dakota people and that we participate in and benefit from the economy founded on slavery, African people, and that, unless you are of an indigenous ancestry, we all came as immigrants and refugees from all corners of the world. I honor my Japanese ancestry, my European forebears, and my spiritual forebears and teachers. Without them, I wouldn't be here. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity to share what's been in my heart and mind, to share my reflections, really deepens, I was going to say intimidates, but it's less so. It really deepens my practice and understanding of it. So. The title of my talk today is Kindness in the Wilderness of Samsara. Anybody doesn't know what samsara is? So samsara is like this world we are in. The world of cycles of birth and death. Some people say of rebirth. Um, And some people might think, another talk about kindness? Right? Oh, not again. I heard it before. And me too. I heard it before. Many times. But I myself could use the reminder again and again. And the world needed too. I chose to use the word kindness instead of compassion or love or generosity, even though they are all the facets of love. Kindness. Kindness is simple, basic, and immediate. It's not an abstraction. A kindergartner knows what kindness is. And the word kindness shares the root with the word kin, In Old English, kindness meant natural act and with the feeling of relatives for each other. Natural act and with the feeling of relatives for each other. Kindness is friendliness and care. Rabbi Abraham Heschel, did I pronounce the name right? Heschel said, When I was young, I admired clever people. Now that I'm old, I admire kind people. Rabbi Heschel was a well-known Jewish theologian and civil rights activist who marched Selma along with Dr. Martin Luther King. He narrowly escaped Nazi Germany while his mother and his three sisters were all killed there. I don't know how old he was when he made this statement. When I was young, I admired clever people. Now that I'm old, I admire kind people. It had to be before he was 65 because he died at age 65. And I'm already a lot older than that. (laughs) I must be getting really old because not not only I admire kind people, I come to believe that kindness is a matter of urgency in today's turbulent world and the climate climate crisis. Norman Fisher, a poet, very well-known poet, Zen teacher, and an author of many, many books, said in a talk recently at the Clouds that selfishness, now I'm quoting him, selfishness is now lethal. We will be literally obliterated by it. The world is in an urgent need for kindness and justice. Kindness is no longer an option if we were to survive together as species on this planet. The fact that Rabbi Heschel experienced losses is no small detail to this quote, to his quote. Knowing suffering and sorrow primes us for kindness. If suffering, the Buddha's first noble truth, is the inevitable condition for the human existence, then kindness is the unavoidable human response. They go together, suffering and kindness. Each moment of suffering is a moment for kindness. I agree with Tara Brack, an insight meditation teacher, psychotherapist, and author. She wrote Love and its expressions, like compassion, generosity, joy, is innate to us. We can either stay in our habitual conditioning and have these qualities be be latent, only partially expressed, perhaps not expressed at all, or as we wake up, we can become more intentional about having them flourish. The first stanza of the much-cherished poem, Kindness, by Naomi Shihab Nye, goes like this. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. Naomi shehab Nye was born to a Palestinian refugee father and an American mother. Her high school years in Ramallah in the West Bank awakened her to the truth of suffering. Years later, the kindness form came to her when she and her husband were on the honeymoon travelling by bus in Colombia, South America. And on that bus they were robbed of everything and a passenger was killed and thrown out of the bus. The poem, Kindness, goes on like this. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. The death of the Indian evoked the realization that this could be her to Naomi Shihab Nye, We are vulnerable. Anything can happen to any of us, anytime. Nothing lasts, and one day we will be separated from the ones we love. We each carry sorrow, and without exception, We each wish to be happy. The poet urges us to bring our presence to our suffering and not push it away until it's only kindness that makes sense, until it is part of who you are in this wild world. So this is how she ends the poem. You must wake up with sorrow, You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, It is I! you have been looking for and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend when kindness beckons and say to you it's me that you have been looking for how do you respond please take a moment to recall the last time you offered or received a simple and sincere kindness. And it could be to you, to yourself, or it could be to an inanimate thing even. I said, hello, thank you to my coffee maker this morning. <laughs> and very delicately cleaned it. So as you recall your own kindness or others' kindness, just in that act of recalling, have you noticed how your body shifted? Did your lips kind of loosen and does your breath widened or deepened? Isn't it true that we don't learn the most important lessons from easy successes and when things are going really well? In addition to kindness, in my older age, I've learned to be grateful to my failures and difficulties because those are the times when I learn the most about my my misguided views and tenaciousness of my unwholesome habits. And sometimes we do go through a stretch of calm abiding, of well-being, of spiritual fulfillment. And you think you have attained some wisdom finally, and boom, suddenly... Something small and unexpected happens, and off you go. You're angry or terribly disappointed, and you feel really tempted to blame someone, something, anything. You know, I'm wiser now. I couldn't be the reason for this anger. I couldn't be the reason for this disappointment. But that kind of thinking only keeps you in an endless loop of stories that justify your frustration. You just get more frustrated. And after a while, it dawns on you, oh, this is suffering. I'm caught in it. And you see it's no longer about the stories of blame or how the sequence of the events happened. You can see beyond the stories, the dark cloud of misery covers the center of your being. That's not the center of your being, but it covers the center of your being, and it feels like that's who you are. And this is your subjective experience of suffering, not something that happened outside of you, away from you. But when you finally recognize that this is suffering, And the stories swirling in your thinking mind can't stop it. That realization bring you to your knees. Only then the stories recede or crumble on their own and you're left confused, lost, in the dark. Has anyone been there? I have. The dark space where you are on your knees is actually a holy place and you must learn to rest there. You have to stay close to your suffering and suffering of others. You have to hear what suffering has to tell you about who you are, your attachment to how you wanted things to turn out to your need for control. And you have to grieve for your losses. <clears throat> it's a moment of disguised blessing. It is the holy place where healing begins and liberation is promised. Matt Likata, a psychotherapist and spiritual guide, describes it this way. From the perspective of this radical sort of wholeness, every experience is beheld as utterly valid and an expression of the path itself. Here there is no obstacle. From the center of your being, it is seen that life is not only the joy and sweetness, but at times will arrive raging as the darkness in order to reorder your world and to remind you of something you have lost contact with. So I said I have. I house a young asylum seeker from an East African country. Let's call her Zuri. That's not her real name. She's lived in my house for eight months now. It's an intimate thing to share the kitchen and the bathroom with a stranger. Zuri and I have made this shared household work out mostly. We are two foreigners migrated from two different cultures, language system, the land. One is young and black, and the other, that's me, decades older, and Asian. And we've navigated through communication difficulties and cultural difficulties, cultural differences, mostly. But despite each of our good efforts, I have recently been frustrated. Things were misplaced in my kitchen. Not that kitchen, but my kitchen. <laughs> and I couldn't find my things when I needed it or a simple request by me to seem to have been forgotten or ignored. And I increasingly felt disgruntled and angry. And I began doubting my own original good intention and Zuri's trustworthiness. Being undocumented and homeless, I know she was in a vulnerable position. And I didn't want to subject her to my anger. So I was angry that I couldn't make my anger go away. (laughs) I didn't trust in the anger stories. But anger and fear just wouldn't leave me alone. And so I got to the point when I saw Zuri around the house that those feelings surged. And I really tried to contain them. And I became miserable. I silently and unwittingly blamed my misery on her. In that small, contracted mind, everything she did began to bother me. A little, tiny molehill every time became an Everest. Little things like misplaced cooking knife or inadvertently locking me out of the house. (laughs) and the anger felt like wilderness and I minded it very much there is a poem called Wilderness by Carl Sandburg there is a wolf in me fangs pointed for tearing gashes a red tongue for raw meat and the hot lapping of blood I keep this wolf because the wilderness wilderness gave it to me and the wilderness will not let it go. There is a fox in me, a silver-gray fox. I sniff and guess, I pick things out of the wind and air, I nose in the dark night and take sleepers and eat them and hide the feathers, I circle and loop and double-cross. And he goes on and on to naming many animals in him. There's a hog in me, a snout and belly, a machinery for eating and grunting. There's a fish in me. I know I came from salt blue. There's a baboon in me. There's an eagle in me and a mockingbird and on and on. Then in the last stanza of the poem, he reveals a discovery. I got a zoo. I got a menagerie inside my ribs, under my bony head, under my red valve heart, and I got something else. It is a man-child heart, a woman-child heart. It is a father and mother and lover. Oh, the suffering I was experiencing brought me to my knees and for a short while I blamed Zuri for my unhappiness even though I knew Zuri, it wasn't Zuri's job to make me happy. It was my zoo and the animals were my responsibility to care for. There was nothing other than my own mind that kept me stuck. It was completely up to me to be happy. That was the choice and freedom I actually always had. That never went away, but they were obscured. So setting aside heady books and studies, I decided to go back to the basic, to commit to kindness. That's why I have this talk. (laughs) Thank you, Zuri. The Dalai Lama has often said that my religion is kindness. And when I hear that, I really resonate with it. He points to the core of what matters on the spiritual and human path. It's an invitation to practice relating to ourselves and to each other, and to all things, with friendliness and kindness, friendliness and care. In a meditation community like this, sometimes we are really insulated from some of the harsher realities of the world. At the center here, we share our aspirations for love, generosity, compassion, calm abiding, so it's easy to be kind and generous in this kind of setting, I think. And my African friend's presence in my house is a daily reminder that the world is otherwise, that there are injustice and inequities from which majority of the people in the rest of the world can't escape. You know that when I speak of kindness, I'm not talking about Minnesota nice, you betcha. (laughs) And it's not just about being kind to others. We are interconnected. And just as Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh said, that a paper is made of all non-paper elements. What I think of me is made of all non-me elements. I am made of all of you. And the plants, animals, minerals, the stars, the sun, and the space. And we are breathing each other's breath. So more deeply and clearly understanding these, these interconnections, we see that there really is no separation between being kindness to another and to ourselves. It really matters how we treat each other. Each small act of kindness conditions us for more kindness, every time we touch or we are touched with kindness we are priming ourselves to repeat it strengthening literally the neural path and kindness springs forth from risking to trust in the essential goodness of who we are but most of us are taught otherwise we are taught that to be good, we have to show or do something to prove our worthiness. The social conditioning has, ob- has obscured our goodness that is innate and that is our birthright. Our unassailable wish to be happy and to be free from suffering is an evidence of this goodness. So what all this means from practice point of view It's hard to be kind when we are in a hurry or when we allow others to be to hurry us or or when we are too busy Thomas Merton said something like being too busy can be a violence against ourselves And you know, it actually doesn't take more time to slow down. What it takes is a shift in perspective, and that can happen just like that. When we hurry, we focus on the tasks, and the people disappear from the radar of our heart. But the matters of the heart are in the realm of timeless. Even in the middle of busyness, our heart is capable of remembering what really matters. Even in the middle of busyness, our heart is capable of remembering what really matters. Try it. Above all, kindness is an attitude before it is an action. Kindness is an expression of our intention and commitment for friendliness and care. And it is something we can cultivate. And kindness could simply be a a mutual recognition of our humanity by a quiet exchange of the energy of our goodwill, a smile, a nod, a touch, a glance, I think many of you know this famous quote by Maya Angelou who said, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. It's so true, at least in my experience. So check your intention or motivation to be kind. An act of kindness always has um, an element of release and letting go. So if you want something back, you know, rather than judging it, get to know this want. Be kind and curious to the part of you that has unmet needs, as Matt Licata said. And kindness doesn't pick and choose who is worthy of it or not. Remember the wilderness poem with all the animals? I want to make an intention to be kind to all the animals. And I want to dedicate myself to bring kind presence to the suffering of my own and of others. It's cherishing life and cherishing what makes life possible. It's, it's really a way to feel alive and clear in the middle of wilderness. So I'm closing, in closing my talk, I want to conclude it with another poem by Joy Harjo. Joy Harjo is a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation, and her father and stepfather both abused her, and she was kicked out of the house home when she was 16. So she knows desolation and violence, and she clearly knows kindness. And Joy Harjo was appointed the new United States Poet Laureate just this month. I'm so proud of her. And she's, of course, the first Native American Poet Laureate in the history of that position. So it's called Eagle Poem. To pray, you open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to one whole voice that is you. And know there is more that you can't see, can't hear. Can't know except in moments steadily growing and in languages that aren't always sound but other circles of motion. Like eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky, in wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings, We see you, see ourselves, and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. That we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathing, knowing we are made of all this. And breathe, knowing We are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion, like ego rounding out the morning inside us. We pray that it will be done in beauty in beauty. So thank you. And um, we have about 10 minutes for sharing.
2: Hi, I'm Mark, and uh, your talk spoke very directly to me. Um, ascending onto my house in the last three weeks has been my brother-in-law and his wife, my sister, uh, two of their daughters, wow. and three of their Nieces and nephews. <laughs> and um, I like orderliness. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I have certain rights, and they have <laughs> certain responsibilities. And where I have my things in the little part of the refrigerator. <laughs> is not where they put the mustard after they've used it. Because that's where my little... You know where I'm going with this. Totally. uh, I hear you. (laughs) Yes. And so I know I bring suffering onto myself. I know I project uh, these uh, 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 wolf-like natures within myself. And I want to be kind. But I also don't want to be the doormat. Mm -hmm. And so how do we... how do we follow this very delicate path between owning what we ought to own and respecting ourselves, but yet finding that generosity and that kindness to be uh, who we need to be or who we want to mm-hmm. try to be?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, those are the questions I ask myself. Um so I, I, it was a kind of a, a dilemma because I promised that I will not speak out of my anger and frustration because I knew that's not my truth even though at the time the mind is going it seemed like this is all real. Um, but then they know when you're angry, right? So um, it may be, if you are feeling really upset or whatever, it may be useful to, to, to kind of own it and say, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of stressed or upset, and I don't know what's going on, um, but I'm sure I play part in it, and I just want to get clear about it before you know it. So I, I depending on who they are, too. And, and some people just, when you say stuff like that, they don't get it. It, it also happens that they don't understand. Um, Anyway, so don't speak out of reactivity. We all know that. And it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. So appreciate that. Bring kindness to the kind of, you know, the spot you are in. Um, I think maybe more than anything else, that's the first thing to do, is to bring kindness and... There's a difference between uh, fixing them, wanting them to be different, versus making a real clear request. And so you kind of need to know, bottom line, you want to really fight over mustard. Right? And I I was amazed how many things I could let go. Most things didn't really matter. You know, I could find a knife. You know, I know how to get myself back in the house when I was locked out. <laughs> Thank God. Um, so if I could step back and say, wait, you know, oh, what's really the bad thing that's happening here? The bad thing that happened is the, the ill will that gets brought up when we don't take responsibility. So... Um, you know, I really don't know your situation so that's that uh, the other thing was uh, it's really good to remember you know why and how you agreed to have them in your house what was your intention to have them there and get really clear on that and you have to take responsibility for the agreement that you made is that enough to go <laughs> Okay.
3: Hi. Your, uh, your talk strikes right at my life right now. Um, my mother and I have never been close. She's a Holocaust survivor. And uh, she got put in a nursing home and I wasn't told. But
1: my closer.
3: I'm sorry. She was put in a nursing home about a month ago. Actually, two months ago. But no one told me. I'm her mm. only son and it's because of the rift we've had and lots of issues and my mom has never been very logical and she can be quite cruel and I don't think she knows it she Mm -hmm. was damaged I think Mm. very young Uh, the war started when she was six so this issue of kindness is uh, very pertinent to me right now Mm. because I've got a lot of hostility and anger Mm -hmm. and old issues and now her memory is going Mm -hmm. and she needs a lot of help and I'm doing help help yeah um so there's a lot of issues and I won't go on and on about it but it kind of strikes to a basic issue and an even more stark one is something my friend told me about his father he said his father was very abusive beat the children the wife his mother took them away but there was still a relationship and the father was, well, not good. And something happened, I'm not exactly sure what, I think his father had an accident a few years ago and became a very nice man. (laughs) Very friendly and that's great but my friend has years of rage and hostility Mm -hmm. and no target. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What does that do to him? And I think about what this man said, and what I'm hearing from you. And the best translation I have is from, uh, not exactly a poet, but a, a fella who said, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> but if you try sometimes, maybe you get what you need. And I think about kindness. Mm -hmm. because in some of these things which you're talking about I think to myself yeah but what about you not getting what you want Yeah. and being kind and that's a real issue are you going to be feel like a chump (laughs) you know are you being kind to yourself that way and I think the elusive gift of kindness is that you're able to say to yourself and be that person and feel better about yourself but no you may not always get what you want. And I think that's sort of the burden of kindness, too. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that theory?
1: (laughs) A burden of kindness?
3: That you're not always going to get what
1: you want. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, Most of the time we don't get what we want just because we want it to happen we do sometimes have what we want and a lot of time it's not because we wanted it, you know. Um, so, uh, I have about a minute and then I think your question is really calling for like two hours of <laughs> <laughs> and And I, I and it's 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 a very pertinent, significant question because we've all been terribly disappointed, we've all have unmet needs, and we've all felt angry, and we all really want to be kind and good person. All of that's true. Um, so, like with your mom's situation, you you want to be kind, but I think one question, maybe the not quite the burden of kindness, but what's in it in your question is what is it that you have to let go? What is it that you have to let go? And why you want to be kind to your mom? What's the reason? What's the intention? (laughs) That's a beautiful reason. It's well said. So, because you know, no matter how your mom treated you 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 really come to see your own goodness, and you you act from that, That's what I mean about the you get. yeah, I think the burden is really about grief, so much you have to let go, and the grief, yeah, yeah, so um if it makes sense for you to say, okay, this is the burden of the kindness, that's great. Yeah, um, that, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, we have just time for one more.
0: I don't think it's a small question, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Carol, hi. Um, in your description, your situation, with your um, person that was staying with you, what's her name, please? Zuri. Zuri. That's
1: that's not her real name. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, one of the things I heard you draw upon was compassion around her circumstances to help mm-hmm. you. And I'm, um, and I want to thank you for your talk because in the moment, very appropriate for what's arising in this heart. So. I had my work to do, and I was following your talk as a guided meditation in the moment. So, thank you. Where I stumble and it really challenges me is when the uh, hierarchy of oppression flips. So, if your story was from Zuri, talking about the person that she was staying with, who is in better circumstances than her and a power. Mm-hmm. There's something I get the kindness is the same but there's something in the story that changes and I find my heart of course it's easier for my heart to align and have compassion for the person who is not exercising unexamined privilege in the moment or power over mm-hmm. but if the story were otherwise it would be it's harder for me to have the compassion the kindness when i'm in a down power position in the presence of someone in an up power position when mm-hmm. you know and to to voice my need in that moment is a vulnerable act right it, it almost um, plays into the down i i just get confused there The kindness, I get, I'm not confused about the anger is mine to work with before I speak. I'm not confused about that. But I am confused about how to care for myself in the presence of power over when that hasn't, you know, when the person is Mm -hmm. not aware Mm -hmm. and is Mm -hmm. benefiting in that moment at -hmm. at the expense of this body. Mm -hmm. And by bringing it up, you're creating a big nest. So... Does that... I I see you shaking your head, so I think... Yeah, yeah.
1: because I thought a lot about my power in relationship with Zuri. And my process, uh, my practice, has brought me to really see her own power. She also has agency. And and that um, it was my work it was a privilege of my power to come to see her own agency and really respect and honor it. And so when you're dealing with power over a situation, we have to really connect with our own agency. You know, there are certain things, things that cannot be taken away. We always really have choice about how to relate to this particular situation and freedom is always possible. Was it Nelson Mandela who was on Robben Robin Island for 28 years? And he practiced, he really exercised. But even he was powered over, he maintained his own agency and freedom. And that is each of our work. Does that answer
0: your address?